destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it. Jesus Christ was harmless, but he was fearless. fearless. He, he wasn't afraid of anything. He was gentle, but yet he was stern. There's things that are right, and then there are things that are wrong, and he's not afraid to say those things are wrong. Jesus Christ was focused. He's on his way to the cross, but he always had time to stop and heal and talk and speak to people. Even when he was on his way to heaven, he walked with the two friends on the way to Emmaus and explained to them the entire Bible. He was never too busy, even though he was focused. He looked at humanity when we crucify him, when it is in our nature to curse the people that hurt you, accuse you falsely. He looked at us on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them. The Lord Jesus was bruised because of our sin. He was abandoned. He was crucified, not for his sin, but for us. And in this cruelty, in this maltreatment that we did to him, he showed mankind that nothing that we can do to him that can destroy his love for us. This personality is not found anywhere in human history. This is only exemplified by Jesus Christ. The life of Jesus Christ is not so that we look at his life and said, he was a good man. I like him. No. His life was an example for you and I. God expects us to live like Jesus Christ. But you say, wait, I can never be Jesus Christ. But no, do you not believe in his word? You will do the things that I do, and you will do greater things. For he goes to be with the Father, but then he left us his power. The Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the Spirit that he gave to us. We are able to live the same way that he did. After the time of Jesus, we have seen men and women who live such incredible lives, sacrificially. But yet, today, we are selfish, we are self-absorbed, we care only for ourselves. We don't walk the walk, we only talk the talk. In our actions and in our selfishness, we betray the Lord Jesus Christ when he stood forth. We care, you're sitting here, all you think about is what I'm going to eat next, what's my next meal, what I'm going to do. We betray the faith, the ministry, and the work that the Lord Jesus Christ had for us. He, he didn't have to come here, but when he did, he gave everything. He showed you, this is how to live, destroy this temple. How many of us today dare to say that? I give my life to the Lord, but wait, only from 10 o'clock to about 12. If you go past 12, I'm out of here. I don't believe we're following the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not how he would behave. That's not how he would conduct his life. Destroy this temple and in three days. He's giving the people a challenge. What do you fear? What do you fear the most? In 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear has torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. The contrast that the Apostle John makes here is not love and hate, but it's love and fear. We know that Jesus Christ had no fear because in his statement he said, destroy this temple. Go ahead, destroy this temple. I will show you I still love you even if you kill me. That's what he said. That's in effect what he's telling us. He has no fear that he would stop loving you when you kill him. He has no fear of being destroyed. He has no fear what men can do to him. He has no fear. But does he feel the pain? Yes, he felt all the pain that was inflicted on him. Did he feel all the anguish? Did he feel? He did. Remember, in the garden, he prayed to the Father and he dripped, his sweat dripped as blood. 
There was agony, there was pain in his life. It's not that he was impervious to pain. He felt all the pain. But in spite of all that, he said, I will show you, I will prove to you that love conquers fear. Pain is there. There was no painkillers back in those days. You can't pop them like you do today to numb everything. It doesn't. I think we've become, especially here in, in America, we've become so soft. There's a TV, always tuned to the news. And between the news coverages, there are commercials. You know what are on the commercials all the time? Drugs. And you know, 90% of the drugs I see on there, I have no idea what it's used to heal. We've become so drugged up as a nation that there is a drug for every single feeling that we have. There's the drug for feelings. We are so out of touch with how God has made us. We want to control and fix everything. We build a whole market economy around it. We fear pain. We fear a lot of things. The faces of fear. Fear of fear, the fear of death, and the fear of exposure. Fears affect the choices that we make. Fear dictates decisions of how we live. And because of fear, we shrink back into our tiny confines of living spaces. Sarah, play on the playground. She falls down. She hurt herself. No more playground. We should close all the playgrounds. That work? No more kids playing on the playground because some kid fall and hurt herself. A charter school. One kid brought in orange juice, drank it, spilled it. The school banned orange juice. We become so fearful of everything because we are so soft. We become so easily affected by life. I got into a motorcycle accident. You should never get onto a motorcycle again. And I got into a second motorcycle accident. See, I told you, you should never go on a motorcycle again. There are 10 million people in Saigon who are on a motorcycle. Now, each one of those people have probably hurt themselves 10 or 20 times more than I have. Imagine if you have the same mentality and you tell them not to get onto the motorcycle, where are they going to go? How are they going to get around? What's going to happen to the city? This mentality, especially in an Asian family, we try to protect and control every situation that we possibly can. And then in the end, our kids, they don't know what to do. Everything is off limits. And now we live in fear. You get into a car accident, never drive again. Well, I didn't hit anybody. I don't care. Dangerous people out there. You see the irrationality, you sit there and you, you laugh, but then look at the things that are said, your parents, your friends are saying in your life. It causes you to live in fear. Phobophobia, the fear of fear. Nyctophobia, fear of the dark. Photophobia, you fear the light. How about this one? Cloudophobia. Yes, fear of clowns. Cyberphobia. Logizomechanophobia. Fear of computers. How about this one? Binistraphobia. Fear of beautiful women. You definitely know this one. Formophobia. Fear of missing out. This is my prediction. FOMO will become inducted into the dictionary. Fear of missing out. Fear of missing out. It's, it's a real thing now. Some fears are common, like fear of the unknown, agnostophobia, and fear of fear, which is fear of fear. Those things, thanatophobia, fear of death. There are two phases to fear of death. One is you're no longer able to see the dead alive. When someone in our family dies, we fear. We don't want them to die. 
And then there's the other phase of death, is that you will never see anybody else alive. Fear of your own death. So that is the real fear. The Bible talks about that fear. Jesus understands that fear of death because it's beyond our control. We die, and when someone dies, it's beyond our control. We cannot do anything to bring them back. What Jesus did was he died to show you, hey, it's not that bad. Destroy this temple, and in three days, I will raise it up again. He said, there's nothing to fear, people. It's okay. And he gladly went to the crucifixion to show you, you don't have to fear death. You don't have to fear death because this life is temporal. There is a life after death. And so in Hebrew 2.15, he said, And deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Everyone who is alive today is taken captive and bondage to the fear of death. And Jesus went to the cross and died to show you that there is nothing about it that you should fear because you believe in the Lord of life. You believe in the one who has conquered the grave, death. He has risen to show you there is nothing that you should be fearful of in regard to death. He has conquered it and delivered those who believe in him that through death we come into eternal life. Knowing that the dead in Christ shall rise, the apostle Paul says, we should not live in the tyranny of this fear. You should not fear death. Of course, you should not launch yourself off a cliff and say, I don't fear death, because that would be, well, stupid. Live your life in a way that's pleasing to God. And if I die, I die. We have been giving many examples, but there are things that is worth dying. You know, it is not about living. It is how you die that defines who you are. It's how you die. It's not what you do when you're alive. It's how you die that defines you. But today, we are trying to extend this existence. There is a famous person who takes 200 vitamins a day just to keep himself alive to prove one thing, that men can overcome mortality. Why? Why would you want to live like a sick animal? If there's no purpose and no point for your life, why continue to live? We should be preparing for a beautiful death. We should be preparing to die well. The person who showed you that is the Lord Jesus Christ. His whole existence and purpose in life was to go to the cross and to die for you. There's no greater love than one that laid down his own life for his friends. How we die defines who we are, not just keep on living for the sake of being alive, breathing. Now we get all kinds of tubes coming into you. Now, the Bible tells you that we are all set to die once and then judgment. Set your life in such a way that you live in a way that is glorifying to God and you die in a way that is honorable to God. That's how we should conduct our lives. Because a good death is a valiant death, is the life that's worth living. Before people sitting in their White House looking at the monitor and seeing wars happening out there in different regions of the world, and they press button or they press a nerdy guy sitting on the computer controlling these drones, dropping these bombs, you got a general like George Washington riding into battles with his soldiers. He was on the front line. Napoleon is said to worth 200,000 Frenchmen because he was there in battle. He was not a good guy, he was a bad guy. Battles were raged when we have skin in the game. We are part of what we say. We don't put our action into the things that we say we do, even in a simple thing. We tell our kids to memorize the scripture, but we ourselves, we don't. We should change that. That shouldn't be the way. We should put ourselves into the same environment and place. If you're going to say, I want you to memorize 
someone, then you should expect me, the one that says to you, memorize Psalms 1, to memorize Psalms 1. Even though it only takes you maybe one-tenth the amount of effort, and it takes me ten times the effort to do it, I should do it. I can't just sit there and say, you should do that because it's good, and then I don't do it. We should have skin in the game. The fear of exposure. We trust people we love even when there is insufficient evidence. People whom you don't like say something, they need to prove it to you. And even if they prove it to you, you're still skeptical. But people that you like, they don't have to prove anything. You believe them regardless. Even though all the evidence points to the contrary, you still believe them. Fear is the force that drives unbelief. The issue that is at stake here is not whether or not the fact is presented, it's whether or not you believe in the person. John 3.20 For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deed should be reproved. Men hate the light. So when you talk to someone about the gospel, the response will be, they don't want to hear because they don't want to be in the light, because the light exposes them. God is the source of all truth. Regardless whether you believe or you accept it or not, God is the source of all truth. There has to be a single source of truth, and that is God. We've got to start there. What is truth? For some, the truth is everything that's written here. You've got to start somewhere, and this is where I start. I start here. This, everything in here, is the truth. This is about God, and I start here. And if God is a source of truth, Jesus Christ is the light that shows this truth. So Jesus, his life shows you what this truth looks like in human form. Sin causes us to hide from the light because we are afraid of being exposed. We're afraid that when we come to Jesus, his light will expose our sin or our sinful nature. And we don't like it. But here is the solution to that. Love overcomes fear. It's not that you love him, but that you know that he loves you. And because of that, you are okay for him to expose your sin. We are fearful because we don't believe that God loves us or God is trying to help us. So we try to hide from him. But when we know that he loves us and he wants to help us, then we will come and gladly say, Lord, look at my sin. Can you help me? Can you fix this for me? Love overcomes fear. Acts 26, 18 says, To open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they might receive forgiveness of sin and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Jesus Christ is here to take you out of the grip of Satan into the hands of God, to sanctify you, to make you whole, make you heal, and make you into his image. That's what the love of Jesus does. Do you love Jesus? Do you love him? Do you have faith and do you trust in him? Are you fearful of coming to him and expose your sin to him and say, Lord, this is me. Can you help me? then you must believe what he said to be true. He's not here to judge you. He's not here to condemn you. Even though he said these things are wrong, these things that you do are wrong, but I will fix those things for you. Do you believe that? Love cover multitudes of sin. He's not there to condemn you. He's there to heal you. He's there to forgive you. Come into the light that your love will be strengthened. And when you come to him, you realize that he's all that he said. He's not going to judge you. He's not going to condemn you. Everyone is out there to say, I told you so. Everyone's out there to condemn you and say, you shouldn't have done that. And we have become accustomed to hearing that. We think that God behaves the same way. God doesn't. We need to model after the Lord Jesus Christ. However, we live, our children and their children begin to learn from us. The victory of love. 1 John 4.17 Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. 
The only way for you and I to overcome fear is love. You see a kid that's drowning in a pond. Would you jump in and try to help? I hope so, because that kid is helpless. And, and if you don't do it, that kid will die. We think that we would. But it depends on how much you love this life. And it will compel you whether or not you do something or you stand back and wait. We are paralyzed by fear. Love drives away fear. It causes us to do incredible things. The Lord Jesus Christ says, destroy this temple because he loves you. He loves us. Destroy this temple because I want to prove to you how much I love you. Love drives away fear. In Mark 14, 27, But straight away Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. When the disciples were sitting in the room, they were afraid the presence of Jesus drives away the fear. Because when Jesus shows up, think about this, they were being rounded up, they were being persecuted because they follow Jesus, and now he's gone. They're really afraid. What should we do now? When Jesus appeared in the presence of Jesus, there's peace. No more fear. He shows up and he says, it's me, I'm here. I love you. And he shows up. Love drives away fear. When you are fearful, come into the presence of Jesus. In his word, in prayer, in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, we don't meet every day. It's hard enough to get people to come once a week. But in, in the body of Jesus Christ, there's safety. In the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is security. In love's presence, drives away fear. To be in love is to be external to fear. When you are loved, you no longer fear, unless that person dumped you. When you know that someone loves you, there's no fear. You can do no wrong. It doesn't matter what you do. There's no condemnation. There's no judgment. Unless that person is untrue. But if that person is the Lord Jesus Christ, you know that that love is real. There's nothing to fear. Love brings comfort and security. Love drives out fear because there's no condemnation. In love, there is no condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. The unshakable. John 2, 19 again. Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Jesus is not afraid of being destroyed by man, because he's real. What is true cannot be altered. What is dead cannot die. So Jesus is not afraid of being destroyed because he was real. You cannot destroy something that is real. And therefore he said, destroy this body. I will show you. It cannot be destroyed because it's the truth. You cannot destroy the truth. You can't cover the truth with lies, but then eventually the lies will go away and the truth reveals itself. Fear rules us. Under the, the shadow of fear, we behave and we act and we try to hide. But when that shadow is gone, you face with the truth. Are you ready? And that's why we fear death, because we don't know what would happen when we stand before God. There's so many things in our lives that's not true, that are lies. There's so many things that people in our lives said that are not true. When you get your glorified body, you will be transparent. Nothing will be hidden anymore. There is no longer anything that you think that's in you that is hidden from anyone else. In the presence of God and the angels and all the saints of God, nothing is hidden. Are you ready? Are you ready for this truth? There's so many things in our lives today that we rather people don't see. Those things 
are lies and they are not true. But if you're standing there in the presence of God, everything is revealed. Nothing is hidden. Your thoughts, things that you are going through your mind is exposed. Are you okay with that? That's why Jesus says, go ahead, destroy this temple. There's nothing in here that's not true and real. He's not afraid. Light and darkness, where everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. But when the light comes, it exposes everything. Your deep thoughts and secrets, everything is exposed. So come to Jesus now, rather than then. Have everything that is in your life that you hide, those things that you have hidden away, it's best that you do it now. Bring it out. Have a conversation with the Lord now. Men hate what he doesn't understand. Jesus knew what was in men. He did not commit himself to men. So he said, I'd rather that you destroy me, and I will show you what is the truth. Their people are erratic, capricious, they're faithless, they are, well, they're men. And Jesus says, this is the truth. You cannot destroy the truth. You cannot do anything against the truth. He knew that we would never accept him because he was altogether different from us. He was light, and we love darkness. And so he came, and what we do to things that we don't like, we get rid of it, we destroy it. Destroy this temple in three days, the truth reveals itself. He proved that his unyielding love for us, committing the innocent life into the hands of guilty sinners to be crucified, the Lord embraced destruction when he said destroy this temple because he can raise it up again. Not only he was the truth, but he has the power to raise himself up again in three days. And remember, he did this by himself. Jesus Christ did this, commit himself into their hands. It's not that they capture him and then they kill him. He committed himself to their hands. God will shake everything in your life. God will shake everything. Everything that you know, everything in your life will be shaken. We lost power for a couple hours and it's already shaky for a lot of us. Imagine if the power goes out for an extended period of time. Are we ready? Are we ready for the shaking of the Lord? When you go out there to the gas station, no gas, are you ready? All the food in your fridge will spoil. Are you ready when you turn on the faucet? There's no water. Are you ready? Here's what's going to happen. Hebrews chapter 12. Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. This is what happened in the future. That God will shake everything in your life. You will lose your job. Everything will be shaken. Then the Lord will reveal to you what is true and what are lies. Are you ready for that shaking? Is your life, is your spiritual life ready and prepare for that to happen? Because the Bible tells you God will shake everything and anything that can be shaken will be shaken and fall and those things that cannot be shaken will be remain. The time of reckoning is coming. The Lord will shake not only the earth, but the heavens. So not only things in her earth, things in heaven, the angels, everything will be shaken. God wants to make sure that nothing false will remain. Only things that remain are true. And the things that are true are born of the true seed of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. Everything else is false. And he will shake and will show all of us what is true and what is false. What is your substance? What do you make of? Are you of the seed of the Lord Jesus Christ or are you made up of something else? We need to answer that with the Lord. Fire is coming. Take away the dross from the silver, and there shall come forth a vessel finer. King Solomon said, take away the dross, and then what you get left is true silver. How do you take away the dross? You put it in the crucible. 
a lot of us won't last in the crucible. But as Christians, we know the people of the word, we're made for the crucible. You're silver, you're gold, aren't you? Or are we dross, wood, hay, and stubble? If we are wood, hay, and stubble, then what lasts? But if you are gold and silver, you last. You're not, you're not afraid of the crucible. God makes this fire of affliction to come to help us, to refine us. And the firmness of God will shape us into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Danger of intervention. Mark chapter 6, verse 2, verse 5 and 6. And he could there do no mighty works, save that he laid his hand upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Here is an example in the scripture that Jesus could not do anything because of their unbelief. What is unbelief? Unbelief is trying to do things instead of having your faith in God. Now, I have nothing against medicine. I have something against overuse of medication, especially in young people. Because your body, God has made us to be so resilient and it heals itself. But because we're afraid of little tiny pain, we medicate ourselves. What happens when you medicate yourself is this. You become dependent on the painkiller. Whereas if you endure the pain, then your body learns what pain is like and what pain is like, and it begins to adapt to it. It gets stronger through it. But because we have an over-reliance on, on medication, we're always going to need medication. If you have the threshold when you're dying and you're sick, then medicine will help you. Take medicine, get surgery. But if you're healthy, your body, God has designed to heal itself, especially children. That's why you have babies, you take them into the hospital, and, and I hear parents do this. The doctor will tell you, we won't give them any medicine. The body will heal itself. But now, we want to intervene. We want to, in place of God, try to fix everything ourselves. The most massive tree on earth is called the giant sequoia. It's right here, actually, in California. It's magnificent. It's dying. The reason why it's dying, because we have, for the past hundred years, have tried to intervene into God's creation. We try to help, because we say, fire is bad. None of us want any fire in our lives. We like things to be the way we are. So we prevent fire. Fires come from God. God allows fire, lightning to strike these giant sequoia, these trees, they have water. And what happens, that water boils and explodes and it causes fire. What happens when you prevent fire from happening? The sequoia, it grows so big that it begins to cover the land below. And nothing below there grows because there's no light coming down. And because nothing grows, the sequoia grows by itself and begins to get bigger and bigger. And it can't maintain its own weight because it grows so big. And on top of that, without fire, the seedlings in these cones cannot be extracted. The fire caused these cones to break up and cause the seed to fall. And because we prevent it, no trees grow, no young one grow, because we want to maintain. And inadvertently, we maintain the old one, just like that one person wanted to extend their life. How many people you think can this earth sustain? It's, it's not sustainable. It doesn't matter how big the number is. It's not sustainable. We are not designed to live forever. We are designed to live in a way that bring out from the next generation a fuller life. That's what we are. Jesus Christ laid down all his life so that we can live. Think about your life and our lives so that the next generation can benefit from us. Imagine we prevent the salmon from dying. One generation, gone. No more salmon. Everything God has created has a cycle. We live and we die. In trying to prevent it, now we have a major catastrophe because now we have all this rubble 
on the ground, and if a single small fire happened, the whole thing comes down. God has everything under control. We need to put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and live our lives in such a way that is glorifying to God. Esther says, I will go see the king. If I die, I die. God determined that way. What is your substance? What is your makeup? Hebrew 12, 29. God is a consuming fire. God is a fire that tests the truth within us. Welcome the fire. See what we are made of. Fire destroys, but it also reveals the substance that is in us. So if you are with hay and stubble, it will burn away. But hopefully, there's some metal. There's some gem. There's something inside. And once you see it, you see either how small it is or how much growth that you need to cultivate and cause it to grow. Then you can begin to build. Otherwise, we're just fooling ourselves with all these superficial things that will burn away. God will consume everything. And the Christian must put himself in the crucible. If Christ is in you, death no longer has dominion over you. Is that true? If Christ is in you, and man has destroyed Jesus, and he said, look, I'm still here. He can't be destroyed. And if Christ is in you, then you won't be destroyed. For everything that lives must die. Because if the seed does not die, it remains by itself. But if it dies, then it can bring forth new life. Romans 6, 9 says, Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. The dead cannot die. Death has no more dominion over him. And in such the same way, if we have been made from the same seed and substance of the Lord Jesus Christ, then death has no dominion over us. Don't be afraid. We'll be okay. We'll be fine. Welcoming affliction. The Apostle Paul's life was an example of Christ's resiliency. Philippians 4.6 Be careful for nothing, but in everything, in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Don't be careful. Be smart, though. Don't be reckless. I saw a young man last Sunday who um, ate something that was not agreeable with him. Actually, it made him really, really sick. Very sick. To a point where he had to go and throw up. I looked at him and I asked him, are you okay? And this is what he said. I'm oh, okay. And then I say, you don't feel good? I don't feel good. And as he walked out, he's smiling the whole time. He's smiling. I'm telling you the story because we need more people like that. Who is acquainted with pain but know that it's okay. It makes everyone else at that table at ease. When you smile and when you don't throw a tantrum and when you don't make your face, you're going to die in everybody else's fault. The issues that you face becomes a non-issue. And then after he came out, everything's fine. Everything's fine. And everything was fine. Everything's okay. Everything's okay. What our substance is made of is how we react in trouble, in hard times. And he passed. When the pressure came, it's okay. No problem. I've taken worse things before. I threw up in the pool before, so this is no problem. Your experience and having exposure to these situations help build your immunity, help build your character, because you remember the voice said, destroy this temple. I dare you. It'll be okay. I'll be fine. I'll show you. The generation that shows up will be more resilient because we need to be. We need to be resilient because people are depending on us. But today, if a little thing happened, oh, I cut myself, I'm going to find a place of comfortable, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to ask people to come and help me and bring food to me. How are you going to help other people? We've been called to go out there and help people. We only care about ourselves and the little things that happen to us. Then how can we be of service to people that we need to? Jesus says, Martha, you worry about too many things. You care about too many things. Meaning, you care about too many things about yourself. There's only one thing here that you should care about is the Lord Jesus Christ. 
we should have a mind focused on the Lord instead of ourselves. You know, we care about ourselves, we care about many things. When are people going to see me? If I'm, if I'm going to sit there with Mary, would they judge me? Would they say, I'm a bad host? We care so much about ourselves. But there's only one thing that really matters. Matthew 16, 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought of your life, but you shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body. What you shall put on is not the life more than meat, and the body more than meat. Jesus says, hey, you don't have to worry about anything. Now, we need to worry about other people. We need to care about other people. When they told me about the electricity was going to go out, the only thing I worry about is, my dad's going to be okay. Worry about whether or not Nora would be okay. But for me, light, no light, food, no food, water, no water, okay. No problem. I've done it before. Gladly even go up to the mountain and fast for days. So, what's a little light off? What does that do? Nothing. But then our children, oh no, they're going to die. They're not going to die. You're not going to die. God has designed us to be so resilient. But then we have made our lives into this rhythmic machine. Morning eat, afternoon eat, evening eat, and they eat somewhere in between, and we never taste hunger. And your body has never been adapted to hunger. You don't know what hunger feels like, and so you're afraid of it. Try to go without a meal. Maybe two, maybe three, a day, two days, three days. Challenge yourself. You will be fine. Actually, you'll be better than fun. Your body will begin to absorb all of those things that it should be absorbing because you haven't fed it. You'll be fine. You'll be healthier. You might be listening to this today, and you might question all this, but I'm telling you everything I'm saying here, the Lord Jesus Christ did. He went without food. He went without water. He deprived himself of many things, and he was fine. And he gladly goes to the cross to die, and it shows you he was fine. He was glorious. And you too, each one of us, we should model our life, the things that we do, after the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's come to the Lord in prayer. We are so grateful of the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. What he has done, what he has been doing throughout the millennia, since the beginning, Lord, for each one of us to mold and shape and cause us to be reflection of this glorious image of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that each one of us, each person here, we grow into the fullness of the Lord Jesus Christ in the way that we think, in the way that we behave, in the way that we act. That we no longer are afraid of things that we don't understand and things that we are out of our control. But we rely on your word. We believe and hold on to the word of God and everything that the Lord Jesus Christ has taught us so that we can one day, Lord God, become a vessel that you will use in the salvation of those people who are around us. Help us to become resilient, and impervious to pain, the little inconveniences that happen in our lives so that we can make truly sacrifices that is honorable to you and honorable to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Amen.